Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Uh, you guys ready to get to work? Uh, Christmas is the hope of the world this time of message. We're in a series titled Christmas Is. Of course, Christmas is way more important than just uh, presents under a tree, which presents under a tree are important. Way more important than Christmas movies. Who's watching Christmas movies now? Come on now. We started Jingle All the Way yesterday. Arnold Schwarzenegger, get on the chopper. Um, and uh, we just started. We barely started, but we, like, we're looking around trying to see what we want. I've never seen Jingle All the Way. Rachel, neither of us have seen Who's seen Jingle All the Way? Do you recommend it? Okay, good. Because we wanted to go like some deep tracks that we've never seen. And so uh, we, uh, that's the one we're going to watch. We're starting to get in that Christmas movie vibe. Um, but today we're going to go to Lamentations. Mm, good Christmas verse in Lamentations. Laments. Lamentations 3. Uh, if your Bible's turned there, if not, I'll read it to you. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me into the dust. Peace has been stripped away. I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I'd hoped for uh, from the Lord is lost. I thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. This is a, an amazing moment. Jeremiah is talking about Israel going to captivity and basically is lamenting the season they're walking into. Basically, pain has entered his life. You ever have pain enter your life? You know, this is one of the most depressing times of the year for most people. That this, this season just makes pain uh, more obvious. It, it makes the wound more obvious. Pain enters through so many different ways. Pain enters through delay. Pain enters through mocking betrayal from somebody. Pain enters through, through, through just somebody who is strictly using something evil to hurt you. Pain has a lot of ways to enter your life. It's a door and they just want to walk right through. But I love what he says here. He goes, yet I still dare to hope. Everybody say hope. Come on, yet I still dare to hope. Do you still dare to hope today? Come on now. Every time a new law is passed in California, every time I see the news, I still dare to hope that God's not done with California. Come on now. When I remember this, why does he still dare to hope? The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Come on, this is, this is good stuff this morning. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. All you young people, submit to God. That's Bible verse right there. So uh, hope, we're gonna talk about hope today. So the Greek word hope is elpisis or elpis. I like elpisis because it sounds like it got peace in there also a little bit, okay? So it's the Greek word elpisis. Now, what does the word hope really mean? Now, we use the hope in our um, English language. We don't use it very well. We actually do it a disservice. We hear this all the time. Uh, I hope so. That is not a word that you use for hope. Hope is a very solid statement. So, you know, like, um, have you ever been in a place where it's just hopeless? Like, let's say like an Oakland A's game. Hopeless, right? <laughs> uh, I'm coming out of the gate strong today, you know? A's going to win today? I hope so. You know? A's going to win the World Series? I hope so. You know? Let's be honest. Like, there are just hopeless places where we go, and we go, there's never going to be a championship here. Okay? Uh, just going to keep it real. I'm not trying to be mean to the A's. I just thought, well, could I? I'm a Mariners fan. Okay? We've never been to the World Series. All right? No, I mean, they, they talk about hopeless. Okay? I've, I mean, we, I've been to hopeless places. You know? I've been on airplanes next to crying babies. I'm in a hopeless pace at that moment. Okay? I can't get out of this tube, you know? And then it's a baby. It's the parents' not fault. So you're like, I'm not really supposed to be upset, but I am upset, you know? Like I got, but the Lord has given me an antidote to that hopelessness. It's called Bose Quieting Headphones. Come on now. Can I get an amen for Bose Quieting Headphones? Amen. Okay. So we've all been to hopeless places. Well, 
The Greek word hope, literally translated, if you look at the Greek word, it means to welcome, to keep an open door, or to have an expectation of something's gonna happen. And my, I'm gonna just show you all my cards. My aim today is some of you shut the door on hope. Because when the door was open, pain came in. When the door was open, betrayal came in. And so you think your only antidote to not being hurt anymore and to be able to protect your life is just shut the door on everything. But the problem is when you shut the door, you shut the door also on hope. You gotta keep the door open. The Greek word hope literally means to welcome. Come on in, because I know welcome, I know when I welcome hope, hope's gonna change the whole room. The other uh, picture of hope is just expectation. That you can see at the end of this journey, there is something great at the end of this journey. There's a famous expedition in 1911. They took two teams uh, that did a 1,400 mile uh, journey in the South Pole and they wanted to see who could win. Team one's um, um, method was this. Let's move as much as we can on the sunny days and then when it gets really stormy in the South Pole, just bunker up and stop and we'll see if we can get there faster than team two. Team two's job was, let's just go 20 miles no matter what every day. 20 miles in the midst of sunny days and stormy days. 20 miles in the worst blizzards, 20 miles in the best days. Well, if I could just tell you the end of this uh, true story is the group that kept moving every day 20 miles demolished the group that moved on the good days. And can we be honest, if we actually lived that life that way, if you only moved forward on good days, we would be barely anywhere in life. If you decide, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm just going to sit here on the sidelines until everything ends. Can I tell you that's kind of how we've handled COVID? Oh, I touched it. <laughs> Once COVID ends, I'll live life again. The reality is, is God never called us to stop moving forward. And what hope's purpose is, is hope is to say this. Hey, there's an expectation. If you keep walking through this storm, there's going to be a sunny day on the other end of this. There's a, there's, there's a goal. And so hope's going to move you today. Some of you have been stuck lately. Some of you have been stuck in your old past mindset. Some of you have been stuck in your old past betrayals. Some of you have been stuck in just bad dreams for your life. Today, hope's going to transform those things. Because Christmas is the hope of the world. Merry Christmas. It's going to be a good one today. I promise you. Bow your heads. God, we thank you that it's going to be a good one because you're God. And your scripture is so good to us. It shows us. It shows us the kindness of God. It shows us the power of our God. It shows us your mercy. Oh, that you would come as a little baby to this earth even just shows the meekness and humility of the King of Kings and the uh, Lord of Lords. So Lord, we just simply say today is your day. Uh, may my words fall to the floor. May I get out of the way. Oh, may people actually hear what real hope is. And everybody said? Amen. So we're gonna go through some very basic questions, but I think it's important because a lot of people are confused on what hope is. They almost confuse hope for faith. You know, they just use hope in different terms. But what I want to do is I want to answer a handful of questions. First question I'm going to answer is, what is hope? I think we need to land the plan on that. My second question I'm going to ask is, where do I find hope? Come on, who wants to find some hope today? Okay, right side so far is winning again. Um, I did that last week. I'm not going to do that this week. I apologize. I think I hurt people's feelings last week. I am faith-filled. Okay, um, what happens when hope works out? What happens actually when your hope actually works out? We've got to figure that one out. And then another question we look at is, what happens when hope doesn't work out? Uh, okay, and then last but not least, the question we're going to ask is this, is how do I get this type of hope? How do I get this type of hope, not only to myself, but to the world? So first one, what is hope? Turn your Bibles to Mark 5. We're going to look at two uh, people, two hopeless people. And can I tell you real quick, hope isn't hope until you're completely hopeless. Hope doesn't become real hope until you've lost all hope in the world and in yourself. I've heard it, heard it said this way, when you get to the end of yourself is when you get the beginning of God. 
And when you really get to the end of hopelessness, you really get to the real type of hope, and it's a God type of hope. It's a living hope. It's a kingdom hope. Come on. So Mark 5 says this. When Jesus had crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Man, I love that we worship a God that when we press in and say, God, will you come engage with my life? He does not say, I'll think about it. He does come engage your life. This is scripture's promise, okay? And then it goes on to say, and a woman, so there's a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. It's interesting, the story is this Jairus had a daughter that was 12 years old. And then there is a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. So one person has been enjoying happiness for 12 years and doesn't want the happiness to stop. And another person has been enjoying the worst part of their life, aka not enjoying. It's been uh, persevering for 12 years and she wants to start a new season. So once can I keep this chapter going? The other ones, can we turn the page, Jesus? It's amazing how hope can have two different looks for two different people. So one saying, hope, I don't want the party to stop. And the other one's, well, I want this to stop. So go and say, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So it's a picture of two people, Jairus, affluent, known, he's named, somebody who is poor and broke, not named. So we have two people in the corners. If you're somebody who you feel really important and you feel like everybody knows your name, you can identify with this story. You're welcome, okay? If you're somebody in the room and you're like, nobody cares about me, nobody knows my name, I'm just person to them, man, you, this is gonna be a story for you, all right? Not only that, this woman, when it says she tried a lot of things, she tried ointments, she tried tonics, not only that, she tried superstitious stuff. I mean, it says that uh, in those times when you had this kind of internal bleeding, uh, that, that you would carry around an ostrich egg in a type of sack for the summertime, and then you'd switch it to a different one during the wintertime, and just you'd carry the ash of an ostrich egg, believing that if you carried it long enough, it would heal your body. Does that just sound kind of silly, yes? How about this one? There's another one that said that you would actually carry the... the I'm going to use the nice word, the dung from a horse, but it had to have a type of vegetable, corn that you could see in it. And if you, this is gross, yes? But you would carry it around, and if you carried it around long enough, it would heal your body. This is, this is ridiculous, yes? Is it as silly as thinking about what the world sells you on what will fulfill your life? What will heal the brokenness and the hole in your heart? How many things does a person have to try till they give Jesus a shot? 10, 15, 20 things, try career, try person, try alcohol. When will somebody give Jesus a shot? It's fascinating to me that when I look at the world, everybody will give everything and anything. They'll give psychics a shot. They'll give horoscopes a shot. Man, have people uh, just say one time, man, give Jesus a shot and see what he does in your life. So the woman now is taking a swing with Jesus. So the first question is, what is hope? My answer is very simple, is hope is vital. Hope is vital. Now here's why hope is uh, so vital. Uh, Andrew De Blanco, or Del Blanco, he's an author. Uh, one of my favorite pastors recommended this book. He says the best book on hope. It was written by a professor from Columbia. And he basically just unpacks the um, history of hope in America. Now, I, wanna, I wanna do some teaching real quick with you, if that's okay. So basically, uh, he goes on, and he's not doing this as a pastor or as a shepherd. He's just doing this as an observation of a uh, professor of sociology and humanities and trying to look at mankind and saying why they're alive and what they hold on to to stay alive. And basically he said is that the most vital part for society to stay alive and to stay moving is hope. And if they don't have hope, a reason for existence, they will no longer want to be alive. So he said in the 18th century, the number one thing in America that they had hope in was God. 
That was the number one reason why they wanted to be alive, what their goal was in life, that was their hope. That there is an aim to please God and God is going to bless me because of it and there is an end to this uh, trial of life and I'm gonna hope in God. 19th century said the biggest thing that uh, the the nation of America uh, hoped in was its nation. That the nation became the hope. That there was a national pride and they just hoped, like you would put your hope in the nation that if the nation does well, I do well. And if the nation does bad, then I do bad. So your hope is that your nation succeeds. Well, in the 20th century, it evolved into self. That hope now became self. That I, I have to find self-made persons, self-made millionaires, self-made happy. If I can take care of myself, then I will have a great life. It's all about self. The reality is, is when hope is misplaced, the, the, the ending destination, once you have one failure, it's over. And so my hope is to kind of be like an Apple Watch. I don't know if you know about, uh, who, who loses their iPhone a lot? Anybody? Yeah, my wife loses her iPhone a lot, okay? Usually it's just in the bed, like, you know, under the, under the blanket somewhere. But, but the, the new thing with the Apple Watch is that you can actually uh, go to your watch and you can ping your iPhone. You know this? Ping, 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 ping. It's like the soundtrack in our house, okay? Um, and uh, Rachel can't find her phone. She pulls up her watch. Ping, ping. And I'm like, babe, it's right here. Babe, it's, you left in the bathroom. Babe, babe, it's in the kitchen. Babe, babe. Even when I went to go use the bathroom back here, there was a phone in the bathroom by itself left behind, and it was my wife's phone. And I'm like, would you like your phone from the bathroom? She's like, I'm going back there, you know. I'm like, we all are. But I don't leave my phone there either, okay? Um, so, so what I want to do is I want to ping, ping for you a little bit, okay? I, I want to I help you find hope because the reality is, is when hope is lost, you're lost. When, when, when hope is gone, you're gone. When hope is dead, you actually want death. I'll, I'll show you some, uh, some stats real quick. Show up the first slide real, real, real quick. Wicka, wicka, here real quick. U.S. Surgeon General warns of emergency youth mental health crisis in rare advisory. It's five days ago. I'd have to go years back. Basically, it shows that uh, suicide has gone up 50% in this last year among young people. Now, when your hope is in yourself, woo, you're not gonna wanna live from it that long. Uh, depression, anxiety, cutting themselves. It is skyrocketing. Now, there's a lot of reasons why, and I'm gonna touch that in the next, uh, the next thing, but there's a, a lot of reasons why is they don't even know where to find hope. Let, uh, show me the next, in the next slide. Regular attending religious services associated with lower risk of deaths of despair. Harvard study. Again, not this, isn't, this isn't a Christian uh, you know, um, card stack deck. Basically, Harvard did a study that showed that if you actually attended service, you surrounded yourself with Christians, that you would actually, um, when despair came in, you wouldn't want to kill yourself. You'd have people around you reminding you, hey, there's still time to go. Hey, keep the door open. God has something for you. There's something to be said about being around people that can ping, ping, a little hope for you. The world is not going to help you find hope. It, the world loves despair. Oh, they love despair. You know, actually go to the next one. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna merge two groups. Empty pews are American uh, public health crisis. Very similar article that just came out, October 19th. Go to the next one. This was a fun one that came out uh, just a couple days ago. Omicron has now been sequenced in half of the US states and the experts issues grave warning that 32,000 Americans who think they'll be alive to celebrate Christmas and New Year will be dead by year's end. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I read this uh, um, article every year. It's, it's the UK's uh, news outlet. Hey, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, none of them are the vehicle of hope, okay? They are a monetary institution trying to get clicks, and right now they feed on fear. They don't, they don't get paid on hope. And can, can I just be honest? The, the media has been driving me nuts, like just bananas. I have a lot of claps for just me hating the media right now. 
But the reality is, it is never the media's job to be the vehicle of hope. It's our job to be the vehicle of hope. It is our job to be the bearer of, hey, there is more to come. There's more to live for. This is not where it ends. But the reality is, is that when we look at even this, the young people at this time, I, I cannot imagine being raised as a kid during this generation. Can you imagine being 15 years old and being reminded, hey, uh, you know, you might have some family members. They're going to maybe die of COVID this year. Hey, just so you know, you should be afraid of this one thing. Nothing else, just COVID, COVID, COVID. Hey, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And so they're being flooded with fear. Man, the church needs to start flooding hope again. Now, now let, me, let me just share a little illustration. Here's why hope is so vital. Uh, let me share uh, two people again. I love sharing the picture of two people. So two people get a job. And their job is simply to put uh, caps on top of little um, uh, seltzer waters, and they're going to go get sold. The machine broke, so you got to put the bottles on the seltzer waters and just keep moving. Uh, twist, the, twist the cap, keep moving. Twist the cap, keep moving. This person right here gets paid $36,000 to do that job. The other person gets hired, they get paid $36 million to do the same job, okay? Do we, do we see a difference here, yes? Okay, you're, you're tracking. Good job, well done. Now, they go to lunch, and they sit next to each other. And one person goes, hey, how's your day going? It's just terrible. This is so terrible. It's so boring. Just blah, 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 blah. You know? And the other person's like, this is a great day. Like, you, you know, like what I, what I get at the end of this, this little faithful day, I'm going to, $36 million. You know, 36, I'm, you're not getting, I'm not getting 36 million. I'm going to get 36,000. It's amazing when you know the payout at the end, how it affects how you na navigate your day. Let, let, me, let me put it this way. Believers know that there is an amazing payout at the end. It's called heaven. It's called no tears. It's called new bodies. It's called being present with God. We know the payout. The world doesn't know the payout. So when they don't know the payout, they try to create their own salary. And the problem is when they create their own salary is they start to navigate life in a way of going, man, if this is it, I don't want to live anymore. And so we have to be the people letting them know, man, there is so much at stake. The reality is if you have hope, you enjoy your day differently. If you have hope, you enjoy storms differently. If you have hope, you pray differently through storms. You encourage differently through storms. Man, hope is vital. Do you believe it's vital? Yeah. Make sure I didn't skip anything. This is a good message. I don't want to skip past anything. Okay, I did the DMV joke. That was, oh, I didn't do DMV. I did the Oakland A's joke. Yeah, I did that one. Okay, okay. Um, that's good. Okay, okay, let's keep going. Uh, let's keep reading. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. When she heard, everybody say heard. Where do I find hope is the second question. Where do I find hope? Where do I find hope? Uh, do you guys know location matters? Uh, it's a lot easier to get in a fight at the bar than it is at a library. I don't see a lot of library brawls. Hey, that's my book, you know. Hey, I was talking to that girl. You know, they don't happen at libraries. That happens at bars. And the reality is, you know, it's a lot easier to find hope in the house than it is to find hope in the world. And so the woman goes to her, she goes, oh, I heard Jesus coming. You know, one of the famous songs is, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Thank you, Christine. That's it. I got one thank you. Um, next service is going to sing the whole thing. You're going to feel terrible. So Santa Claus comes down. It's a song of joy because when Santa comes, the gifts are coming and you're excited. Well, she hears, Jesus is coming to town. Jesus is coming to town. AKA hope still has the door open a little bit. Hope saying, oh, I'm, I'm gonna welcome this. I've, I've heard about this Jesus. I've heard what he's done in other people's life. I've heard he's healed people. Maybe he can heal mine too. Because the word hope in the Greek, the way that they did it was not an objective thing. It was a subjective history thing. They, they said, if it happened before, it can happen again. Hope is based even on history. 
As Jesus has done it before, he will do it again. And so this woman says simply this, I'm going to be in the same room that he is. I'm going to be in the same area that Jesus is. And if I'm in the same area, I got a shot. The reality is, is when you just have the news around you and you see articles like this, 32,000 people will be dead by Christmas. Why don't, we don't do that for heart disease. We don't do that for car wrecks. We don't do that for any other death right now. But the enemy is using one thing to control and to destroy people's fear. And so if I could just submit to you, man, get around people that bring hope. Don't, don't. I love being around people that when things are going even terribly in California, I got pastors that they just go, man, this is just a setup. Don't you feel tired? It's a setup. And I, was like, and I remember Saturdays did not feel like a setup. Saturdays were a hard season for me. I'll, I'll put it this way. COVID was my hardest season as a senior pastor. I've been a senior pastor for three and a half years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've ran the race well. Okay. It's hard uh, pastoring a church for three years and understanding how hard something is with no perspective. And I get around pastors who have pastored for 25 years, 30 years, and I sit down with them and uh, they tell me that this past season of life as a pastor was harder than all the other years combined. And you need to hear that from people sometimes so you can understand how much hope you actually do need. I sometimes think the way that we deal with problems is we try to diminish them instead of actually replace them with this thing called hope on top of them. And so what I've had to realize is that when COVID came and people scattered and people got angry because we didn't do this or we didn't wear this or we didn't say this, and you're just taking shots from left to right, I wasn't trying to diminish the problem. I just simply said, God, I hope that you're still, I hope, my hope's in you, so I know you're still working. I know that you got a, a new place for us for Sunday mornings. I don't know where it is, but I'm, I'm believing that you're going to use this season for more salvations than ever. There's something about that. There's something about being around pastors that say, hey, I've seen things like this. God always uses it. Man, there's hope for your church still. I'll never forget it. We had somebody that I loved just hurt us. And I remember one of my senior pastors, they just told me, hey, all great churches take it on the chin. God's got great things for you. And I'm like, yep, it's over. Yeah, I remember that happened. Our church folded at the same time. It's amazing how many people feed your fear instead of feed your hope. You want to know where you find hope? It's around other believers that have hope inside of them because it's the living hope. His name is Jesus. Man, you got to guard your circle of hope. So that's where we find hope. Let's keep going. Um, Having fun reading this little verse to you. Uh, Because she thought if I could touch his clothes... Uh, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked him, who touched my clothes? You see the people uh, crowding around against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? Woo, can I just stop real quick? We gotta go back to the beginning of the story. Uh, Jairus is like, hey, my daughter's dying. Jesus, I need you to come. And so Jesus, it says, is pressed by a crowd and he just is walking. And I don't know about you, but when you are in a hopeful season and you're asking God to move, do you ever want God to walk this fast to you? Anybody? No. We want him like, oh, okay, Jairus. Oh, oh, you're stressed out? No, I'm stressed out. Oh, you want to run? I'll run with you. No, no. There is something about our God and the pace that he moves and the, and the reason why he moves that pace. Can you just enter into this story with me real quick? As he's walking with this type of pace, if he was sprinting and he was busy onto the next thing, the woman who was bleeding could have never reached him. There's something about the pace of the church that if the ones that are bleeding cannot reach us and touch us, we are losing them. When we make hope out of reach of people that are really broken, we fail them. Um, let, me, let me double down on this. This woman had been bleeding for 12 years internally. You cannot see her, uh, her actual her hemorrhaging. And I think a lot of us can identify. I can't see your bleeding. I can't see actually what's going on in your chest and what, what you're, what's, what's cutting you and breaking you. And the reality is what happens a lot at church is that we think that the most important thing is to get here 
But actually, the most important thing is simply this. I'm going to walk slow and be ready to give hope to anybody who wants to actually experience it. I'm going to stop and let people actually uh, have a, a, a taste of my life. And maybe, just maybe, as I stop and find out what's going on, I can be somebody who can actually help, help stop that bleeding. Can I just tell you real quick, stop rushing. Stop rushing on to the next thing and start enjoying the journey of life. Something that I, I tell myself every Sunday, and I hope it's okay, is, man, be present with people. That when you stop and talk to somebody in between service, be present. Don't go on to the next thing, just be present. Because if I rush to the next thing, maybe, just maybe, the person that was about to reach out and say something that they, they weren't going to say last week, maybe, just maybe, they're going to reach out and actually be vulnerable for the first time. Maybe, just maybe, they're going to reach out and ask for a prayer for the first time. That because I'm a little slower, just because I'm not as fast to get to the next thing, they might reach out and say, hey, this is actually what I've been going through. Will you pray for me? It's one of the most powerful moments that you can have as a believer of Christ is be used by God to give hope to somebody else. Don't rush to the next thing. Let's keep going. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with, feet, uh, with fear, told him uh, the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and, uh, and be freed from your suffering. Now, I, I love scripture. I've read this. Job preached about, um, uh, took the bent on faith. I love Mark 5. You can preach on faith with this. You can preach on despair and hope on this. There's just so many things. Scripture unfolds so powerfully. And something I've never seen until I studied this time was Jesus' response to the girl. Because here's my next question. What happens when hope works out? Here's what happens when hope works out. You get way more than you bargained for. You get, what happens in actually, like, when you say yes to Jesus, a lot of us just say yes to him to be savior. You get way more than a savior, Okay. You, you, the hope, when actually hope delivers way more than, this is what this woman wanted. I just want to be healed. Jesus said, time out. I'm not going to let somebody just let me be their healer. I want to be their savior. I want to be their redeemer. Find me this girl that had hope just to be healed. I'm going to give her way more than she bargained for. What do you mean she, he's going to give away more? Listen to this verbiage he uses with a woman that had no name. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Stop. Daughter. You got to understand something. When the king of kings and lord of lords tells a girl who has no identity, she's lost her identity because of 12 years of bleeding, being isolated, not allowed to be around anybody. Now they just call her woman in a story, just some woman. She doesn't say, woman, your faith is healed. He goes, no, 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 daughter. You, you, you came to get healed. I came to give you a new identity, a new inheritance. I came to give you a, a new birthright. I came to open the door and say, guess what? Now I'm your father. Anything you need, I'm always here. There's something to be said about when you ask for something from God. Oh, he says, oh God, God, can I get a new job promotion? Yeah, I'll give promotion, that's fine, but I'm going to give you my presence. Yeah. Oh, you, you want this? No, I'm going to give you my peace with it also. There's something to be said when you start to hope for something. I just got to prepare you. You're going to get way more than you ever hoped for. It's going to be way more than you ever bargained for. Let's keep going. goes on to say, um, while Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of, uh, of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing when they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. I mean, you got to stay away from people when they tell you to give up. They come to Jairus, hey, your daughter's dead. Don't even worry about it anymore. Now let's break this down real quick because my next question is not what happens when hope comes to fruition. My next question is this, what happens when hope doesn't work out? What happens when hope doesn't work out? Same answer, you're gonna get way more than you bargained for. And I'm gonna unpack that in a second, give me some time. So uh, I've been in the ER many a times because I'm a hypochondriac, I'm overcoming it. Um, I just got to be honest with you. Like we were talking about people who've been in the ER. Like someone's like, I've never been in the ER. And Rachel's like, you've been in the ER. I was like, shh, be quiet woman. Um, it's only, like, I don't know, four times the last five years. And all of them have been like just nothing, you know. One time I woke up, my back hurt uh, right here. I thought it was like my appendix. And it's just because I drove eight hours to LA. Um, but I got an ultrasound and everything. Um, 
I've really been able to see the inner workings of hospitals, okay? When you feel a pain you've never felt before, you get kind of stressed and you're like, well, I got great insurance. I'm always go to the ER. It's hundred bucks. Check me out, doc. Well, see you later. You know, you make a new friend. It is what it is, okay? Um, so I, I shared with you a few months ago, I went to the, actually, this is a month ago, I went to the ER because I thought I had a blood clot. Um, yeah. <laughs> At the moment, it was scary, okay? And I waited the longest I've ever waited before, okay? I'm growing, all right? It was like six hours, like my calf hurt. I just got done traveling and I, like, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't stretch it out. And we get on the movement, like, Rachel, the, the, the tightness is just not leaving. Like, I, and I text my buddy Joey, who's a doctor, and he's like, yeah, go get it checked out. And I was like, oh no, it is a blood clot. You know? and, and so you know, I'm driving um, to, the, uh, to the ER and I get to John Me right here in Walnut Creek. And it's a busy Friday night. Oh, it's busy. <clears throat> I mean, it's super busy. I don't know what's happening to me, but I'm very late. <laughs> Time out. Yeah, ER. Ow! I'll be back, guys. What's going on? That's funny. You get a little vulnerable with people and then they use it against you. <clears throat> All right. So I'm at the ER. There's about 20 people at this ER. It's packed. And I, you know, check in and... Um, not a lot that I know, except there's 20 people, my leg hurts, and the only thing I'm thinking to myself is, I wanna be first. The kid over there that broke his arm at the Akalani's high school game, I don't care, you know? It's a broken arm, you can go second, I wanna go first. I wanna be the front of the line of the ER, I'm trying to work my magic walk up, you know? Hey, is my name called yet, you know? I was like, I, was like, I've I, I even said, I've never been to this ER in my whole life, you know? I've been to other ERs, but not this one, you know? Um, and introduce myself, make sure they know my name and my face, and uh, I'm trying everything, and then I, you know, I limp back to show them that the blood clot is real, you know, and make sure they see it. Um, and so, and there's another person, they're, you know, they're, they're literally puking outside, and I was like, Ugh, you know, so I sat on the other side, and I was like, felt bad for them, but I still wanted to be first, okay? Now, I'm 25 years old, and I remember this is one of the, uh, actually, let's go to my first time going to the ER, ever. Uh, I'm 16 years old, my first ER experience in my life. I uh, get anaphylactic shock from eating chicken. A lot of you know this, I'm allergic to chicken, poultry. This was when I was starting to find out, 14 to 16, I was having some bouts, figuring out like, I wasn't allergic to chicken until I went to puberty, blah, 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 I was a late bloomer, don't judge me. So I'm 16 years old uh, and I eat chicken and um, uh, I start swelling up uh, like the movie Hitch, my ears get big, my eyes swell shut. And if your esophagus swells, I'm, you're gonna suffocate to death. I'll never forget going to the ER, at that age of 16, and I walk in, and it's somewhat full, it's a good Sam in Puyallup, Washington, and this is when it freaked me out. I walk in, and I'm literally like kind of purple, my eyes are full shut. I don't even check in. The lady grabs me by the arm, starts pushing a button, and just throws me in a room. And I was like, VIP service, all right, all right, you know? You know, it's like the fast pass at Disneyland, you know? But the reason why is because she knew if this guy keeps going in anaphylactic shock, he will suffocate to death, we got to pump them full of some antihistamines, all the other stuff. And I mean, I, I started puking up blood. I mean, my insides, it was terrible, you know? I don't know what was going on with my body. And at first I thought it was really sweet of her to, to uh, um, you know, um, uh, pull me in right away. And I mean, the founder was like, thank you so much for making me first. She's like, making you first? You're going to die. I was like, I was going to die? <laughs> the beginning of my hypochondriac, yeah? So death was on the line? Oh, well, dang, okay, well, from now on, I'll make sure I come, you know? Let's keep going with this. Bear with me. Now, if I was at the ER at John Muir and somebody would have came in with anaphylactic shock and the lady at the front would have been like, you sit down, we'll get to you when we get to you. I don't know a lot, but I would simply say, just from my own observation, 
This is medical malpractice. This young boy is gonna die. He can take my spot. This is just a little blood clot, probably a strained muscle. Found out because I do this on the plane for six hours. That's what I was doing actually. Like, does anybody do this with their feet while they sit? Okay, my people, right here, okay. I do this for six hours. I drive my whites nuts. I can't, I can't sit still. So basically I strained my calf. That's what we found out. It wasn't a blood clot. I'm fine, okay? Um, but I, at the time, I didn't know that. So I was being brave. I would say, hey, this kid can go in front of me even though I got a blood clot, okay? Go in front. Hey, the person puking, you can wait. Broken arm kid, you can wait. All the other ones that just sit there and you just look sick, you can wait. This person should be first. If not, this is medical malpractice and we are failing this kid. It's very obvious to me and I'm not a doctor. I read Mark 5, and Jairus says, my baby girl's about to die. And Jesus says, okay, I'm coming. There's a woman who's been having a hemorrhage for 12 years. She's not about to die. And she touches Jesus' robe, and he doesn't say, hey, I got to go. This would be medical malpractice. I'm in a rush. If I don't go here first, I am denying what I'm supposed to do as a medical uh, a physician. What I observe is medical malpractice in Mark 5. He lets the girl die. He, he says, hey, sit her in the waiting room. I'll get to her when I get to her. And the reality is, is Jesus is not into actually doing medical work. He's into doing surgical, spiritual work. He wants to do spiritual surgery. He will slow down for spiritual surgery every time. He says to the girl, oh, okay, the medical stuff is taken care of. I don't care about that. I want to have a spiritual conversation. You are now my daughter. You are now free. Go and live a new life. I've changed your spiritual identity. Go and, go and live a life of community now. Go live a life of purpose. And now Jairus, on the other hand, saying, well, I'm glad you did spiritual surgery for her, but now what about me? And some of you, the ones that you've been waiting and feel like God's had some medical malpractice or sometimes malpractice, can I tell you something real quick? That he wanted a healing, but Jesus wanted to give him a resurrection. He said, you just want me to be healer. I want to be a resurrector. I'm going to come into your life and you're, I'm going to do something surgically in your heart Then I'm going to show you that I'm bigger than sickness. I'm actually bigger than death. Can I read it to you real quick? Can I, can I show you why Jesus is all about uh, not showing up on your time, but on his time? So it goes on to say, um, so it gets way more than he bargained for he gets resurrection, not healing. We're gonna see that. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Stop. We know that asleep in this text means that she actually is dead. Asleep to the believer, um, death to the believer is the verbiage sleep. Jesus uses this with Lazarus. He's just asleep. They're like, he's in a tomb, man. He's not asleep, he's dead. Because the reality is, is when believers die, it's just a nap because we're coming back to life. So Jesus uses this verbiage quite often. You'll see this throughout scripture. Luke, the physician in the gospels, writes the same story. And he actually says that she's dead in the, in the gospel of Luke. This verbiage is asleep. So some people go, well, was she dead or was she not dead? No, no, she's dead. Luke confirms it. The verbiage of hermeneutics confirms it. She is not alive. She is dead, okay? And so uh, if I could just even uh, unpack this real quick. So Jesus finally shows up to the house. And he doesn't even say, I'm so sorry I'm late. So, hey, guys, I'm oh, a little late here, huh? So I did a little study on cultures. Did you know that cultures have different apologies for when they're late? So most European countries, uh, if you're 15 minutes late, anytime after 15 minutes, you need to apologize. 15 minutes or less, you don't need to apologize. Because most European countries are what they call monochronic, uh, monochronic cultures, Okay. I'm gonna get a little teach you real quick, is that okay? Uh, except it's Italy, they're polychronic, okay? My wife's Italian, this is made, made a lot of sense to be honest, okay? She's keeping a real girl. Uh, it made me just understand you better, okay? Polychronic are their multitaskers. Uh, they're into like, it's more of an artistic, Latin America would be another polychronic culture. And basically you're allowed to show up 45 minutes late and not have any apologies in these, uh, in these countries, okay? 
And so my wife, if she is 45 minutes earlier, she's on time, okay? Makes sense now, okay, come on, girl. Um, 15 minutes for European culture. So there's, there's actually another culture, I forget, it was somewhere um, in one of the um, uh, Asian islands that you could actually be four hours late and that was still okay. I thought that was hilarious. Um, and so uh, my, my senior pastor was this, five minutes early is on time, five minutes late is, I mean, on time is five minutes late, five minutes late, don't even show up, you're fired, okay? Uh, Pastor Rogers, shout out, okay? Um, and so he just liked people on time. So that was the rule if you want to be on time uh, for my first senior pastor. So Jesus, his culture, kingdom culture. A day is like a thousand years of the Lord, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. And so he, can I, just, can I just submit to you real quick that we think our timing is perfect, that we know when God's supposed to show up. But this story, one of the biggest things you're gonna see is just the kingdom culture of how God likes to show up when he's supposed to show up. Because he doesn't want just some of the glory, he wants all the glory. He doesn't want to just do something small in your life, he wants to do something big in your life. He wants hope to be really loud in your life. So, so the culture of the kingdom is not going to be the culture of America. We're very monochronic. We're kind of a merge of both is what I read. We, we, we're, we're monochronic uh, by nature, but because we have gotten so busy, we become somewhat polychronic. And all that means is that we are very task-oriented and linear, but now we're adding more tasks to, uh, to the day. So we'll do three things at once instead of one thing. And so therefore, it makes it a little more scattered, a little bit more late to things. Um, I thought that was fascinating. But if you didn't, all good. We'll keep going. Um, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples were with him. And he went in there uh, and the child was, uh, where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, uh, kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Me and the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. So you have uh, this moment where Jesus shows up when he wants to show up. He doesn't rush to it. Jairus is frustrated, and like I said, uh, his hope was not answered. Uh, what happens when hope is not answered the way you thought it is? He gets way more than he bargained for. He's about to see his daughter come to life. We just read her come to life. But I, I need to unpack this moment. I feel like we read scripture. I read that fast, of course. And you just read that Jesus comes in, grabs her hand, and says, you know, little girl, wake up, and then you, you think it's over. Now, just enter into this with me real quick. You're the father of this little girl. She's dead. The king of kings walks into this moment, a.k.a. he's left the door open. He's left the door open. Hope is welcoming Jesus even in the darkest moments. Who would leave the door open for somebody who's already... This, we, we cannot dismiss what Jairus is still allowing. You want to go ahead? Come on in. Come into a dead marriage, Lord. The door's not shut. My, my marriage feels dead. It feels like it's done. I'm going to open the door. You can still come in. Come into my dead dreams, Lord. Some of you, if I could just, I, I, need to, I need to soak it in this moment with you real quick. Some of you don't even know how much you've shut the door on some dead things in your life because you just think they're dead. And why would you invite God into something dead in your life? Oh, I would just encourage you. Hope is literally translated, welcoming Jesus into every part of your life. The deadest dreams, the deadest relationships, the deadest things. Dead is just dead. There's not kind of dead. Can we agree with this? Now let's go back to the picture of what happens. He grabs her hand and says, little girl, get up. And again, you know, our English translation never does great with the Greek. Uh, so you need to understand when this would be used. And really little girl, get up is not even a great translation that I used in NIV. It would actually be more like sweetie or honey. It's like a pet name. And so the translators, the theologians say, you got to picture this. Jesus literally grabbing one of his baby girls by the hand and saying, sweetie, get up. Honey, get up. It's an amazing moment to picture our God grabbing us by the hand and saying, hey, it's time to get up again. You're not supposed to stay stuck here. Hey, Tyler, hey, big guy, 
It's time to get up. Come here. It's time to get up. It's time to keep hoping. Now, why can Jesus do that? And why does he do that? And how does that happen? So this is my last question, and I hope you see this beautiful picture of our, of our Savior and why Christmas is the hope of the world. So how did I get this type of hope? Why did I get so blessed to be able to have a God that would grab me by the hand and say, Tyler, it's time to get back up again. Hey, hey, stud, it's time to get back up again. Why? A personal conversation, time to get up. You gotta go to the cross. You always gotta go to the cross. You always gotta bring things back to the cross. So hope is literally the picture of God not only being welcomed to our life, but holding our hand and literally speaking to us every time we get knocked down saying, hey, let's move 20 miles again through the storm. Let's move 20 miles today. It's always the hand grabbing. Here's why. When Jesus went on the cross, he allowed his hand to be removed from the Father. And he did not hear my son get off the cross. We actually hear, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can I share something with you real quick? Hope is a door open. The cross for Jesus was the door, all of heaven was shut on him and all he tasted was darkness. And so Jesus allowed the door to be shut on him so the door could be open for you. And if you could just see what Christmas represents, it represents a wide open door of hope saying, hey, your life's not over. If there's breath in your lungs, you hear Jesus say, baby girl, get up. Hey, big guy, get up. Life is not over. I didn't taste death, so you wouldn't be able to test life. I didn't taste hopelessness, so you wouldn't taste hope. Jesus went on the cross and said, I will taste hopelessness, despair and darkness, so my sons and daughters can taste resurrection once again. And Christmas is the hope of the world. Some of you, I'm just gonna encourage you. You're having a great season and you didn't need a message of hope today. But what you need to hear is you need to be the messenger of hope to somebody today. You need to call somebody and tell them to get up again. You need to talk to them with the kindness that you just talked to the little girl. Hey, it's time to get up again. Hey, it's time to love again. Hey, it's time to serve again. Hey, it's time to get back in the house again. It's time to give people a shot again. It's amazing what a wound does to people. You get wounded by men, you see men differently. You get wounded by women, you, get wounded, uh, you see women differently. You get wounded by an authority, you see authority differently. You get wounded by church, you see church differently. Man, hope takes it and throws that stuff out and has you see things the way you're supposed to see them again with hope and joy and peace. Will you bow your heads with me? I'm sure it's your first time, second time, third time in church, but you never heard the gospel message that there is a God that came and literally came to this earth to pay a price that you're supposed to pay to literally save your life, to give you a new trajectory, to give you a new beginning, a new birth. The Bible says that if you believe in your mouth and confess your heart, you'll be saved. And just to give you a heads up, you're being saved from hell. Eternity without God, that's a big deal. So with every head bowed and eye closed, you wanna say yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to curse. You wanna say yes to Jesus today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand and respond to Jesus. Say, I wanna say yes to Jesus. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, raise it high. Say, I wanna say yes, Jesus. I see you, 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 and I see you. Come on, God's doing something in the house today. Come on, we prayed for you this morning. Yes, God, yes, God. God, we thank you for those six hands that are raised. And God, when we raise our hands to you, we raise our hands to saying yes to hope, but we also raise our hands as being the bearer of hope now to this world. God, may we bring good news this Christmas. May we bring hope to the hopeless this Christmas. Oh God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.